Hi everyone, welcome to episode 61 of the Practicology Podcast. This is a special youth edition. Instead of my usual co-host Matthew Kane, I have a teenager with me on the show today. And this episode features a conversation I had with him last fall. His name is Seth Griffin. Seth has been very busy since our conversation, traveling with his family all the way to Africa and back. And I guess I've been busy too because it's taken me so long to get this conversation onto the, onto the show. Our conversation was about art, something that, as you will soon discover, Seth is very passionate about. And I hope that both the content of this episode and the young age of the guest we feature on it will make this episode particularly enjoyable for younger listeners of Practicology. Seth was 16 at the time of my interview, and I began the conversation by asking him if his enjoyment of art began on his first birthday, an event I was fortunate enough to attend. But before I play the interview, let me just apologize in advance for the slightly poor quality of the recording, which is poorer than normal because I ended up using different recording software for the job. So please turn up your volume a little and enjoy. I remember being at your first birthday party, Seth, and you uh, made a mess of the cake all over your face. So my question is, was that the day when you first discovered that you enjoyed art or did that Uh, discovery come later? (laughs) Uh, No, I don't. I don't think it was quite that day, but I would say my formal discovery of art uh, did come a bit later. But I mean, I mean, as a kid. And even as a rate average human being, you know, art is all around you and you're always interacting with art. Um, one of the first art, art forms, I guess, that I really got into was stories. And those were Bible stories that my grandpa used to tell me when I was really little. And I remember getting super passionate and in, into those stories. It was unbelievable. Yeah, for our listeners, some of you will, will be happy to know that, that Seth is speaking about Andrew Bergsma. And many of us enjoyed hearing uh, Mr. Bergsma preach, and he brought so much life. And Seth had the awesome privilege of sitting on his grandpa's knee and hearing uh, this beloved man tell him many, many Bible stories. So carry on, Seth. Sorry. No, uh, no problem at all. Uh, so, yeah, I, I really love those. And that's really I think that was a, um, an important pl- uh, thing that really gave me a love for the Bible. But uh, anyways, m- my formal discovery of art was probably when I was around 13, 12, 13, I believe. Um, and I was in school. Up to that point, I really didn't care about art at all. Um, like, I mean, you see a cool picture once in a while, and it kind of gets surprised and it's kind of neat. But other than that, I, I really didn't care about it at all. I thought most, um, most, art, most art that I saw in museums was pretty dumb. Uh, and that, that's pretty much all my understanding of it was. But when I was 13, I was going to school and I had to, I wanted to enter into a competition um, that our school put on each year. And I, I loved athletics, like I love sports. Uh, I pretty much always have. Uh, <laughs> another thing that my grandpa gave me is a love, love for, real love for soccer. Uh, but yeah, I wanted to compete in athletics in the competition, but a rule at our school was you couldn't just compete in a certain style of events. You had to balance out your events. And so I, I took a look at the list and found one on photography. Uh, okay, I'll do that one. That one's probably the easiest. Um, and I picked up my parents' camera, 
which I don't, I don't think had been used in a long time. I, I mean, they, my parents rarely used it, only pulled it out for like special occasions, I think. Even then, barely used it. But I really <laughs> knuckled down and for three solid days just tried to figure out that, that little camera. Um, it was actually, it's actually surprising how long it took me. And to be honest, I really don't know why I, why I even kept going trying to learn it because it took me a solid three days of reading manuals, watching YouTube videos, uh, and just playing around with the contraption uh, for me to get anywhere. But yeah, that's, that's really where it started. I figured out how to learn the cam, use the camera, started taking pictures and just, found out that I loved it. Like it, it was so natural. Like, like, I mean, that's really the only way I have to describe it. Like it, it was, yes, yeah, so natural. Well, I love that we're beginning this conversation, Seth, about art. I love that we're beginning it with, in a sense, your childhood. Um, yeah. Cause there is something natural about it. Right. I, I have four daughters mm-hmm. at various ages. My youngest is soon to be seven and every single mm-hmm. one of them, loves art um in in her own little way each one of them makes art or or participates in it so there's something very natural as as children and um and i guess i want to ask you is there a sense in which all of us are artists i i really think i really think that's true um some people will disagree with me um i've heard some people say different but i think everyone creates in some way not 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 in the out of nothing in the way that god created the world but just marshalling sort of the the create marshalling different aspects of creation and ordering them into into pleasing ways um i i believe that's i believe that's pretty scriptural i mean in genesis or it says genesis one god made male and female in his image and god God created the world. Therefore, I'm pretty sure, you know, it's, it's pretty natural just for us to create things. I mean, that's what God did and to create things that are beautiful and that are meaningful and helpful. God said to tend the earth and to dress it and keep it. Making of art is sort of a, uh, a subset of, taking care of the world and interacting with it and learning more about it. And in learning more about it, I believe we also learn more about the creator. Yes, we can, we can learn about the character of the artist from his art. Right. And if, yeah, if the creation that we inhabit is all the work of art of our God, then by exploring it, by gazing on it, um, uh, uh, beholding it, we can, go backwards and, and, and discover something about yes. the mind who made this, the heart who made this. Mm-hmm. Seth, I think you and I have both read Francis Schaeffer's little book, Art in the Bible, and he begins the book with this question. What is the place of art in the Christian life? Is art simply a way to bring in worldliness through the back door? How would you answer his questions? It, it's, it's, it's partly a process of discovery. Um, part and part, also, it's partly a process of sharing with other people something of yourself as well. It builds a relationship between people. As soon as you look at a piece of art, you inst- there's instantly a relationship, relationship going on between the artist and the audience, whoever's looking at the art. 
as a, it's also a way that we are able to give glory to God, to praise his name. I mean, we see that in the Psalms very clearly. David used poetry and rhythm and rhyme just to, to bring glory to God. And it wasn't necessarily bringing glory to him in the way always he wasn't always saying, praise God, praise God, praise God all the time. But he was interacting with God. He was he was exploring his relationship with God, even the painful parts. And in doing so, it, it brings him closer to God. Mm-hmm. And it also brings him glory. Mm-hmm. And so I think I think one of the place for art is is because it's 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 a it's the way we can express the way we can uh, share. We can share between ourselves and God and ourselves and other people. So, Seth, you've talked about the relational aspect of art. And uh, maybe I could ask, what what does our thirst for beauty tell us about ourselves and mm-hmm. and tell us about God? Um, right. Is is there an apologetic value to art? Maybe I'm asking you too many mm-hmm. questions at once there, but no, no, can, no, not at, all. Unthread, not at all. You can unthread one of them and work with it if you want. Yes. Uh, you know, that's uh Thank you very much for that. Those are really good questions. And those are questions I've done a lot of thinking on. There is definitely a need in humans for beauty. Um, in the, there's a photo book or a photo story, a story of photographs that's been published. And basically a guy was biking through the old Iron Curtain, which is the old um, USSR. And basically, if you remember in the kind of like the Cold War era, the USSR was really cracking down on you know, like artists and anomalies and um, anything that kind of fit outside of their totalitarian style and regime. But like the artists, you know, these artists that were kept getting shut down and got, were getting forced into these, um, these banal roles, um, such as like, you know, mixing concrete and uh, designing bus stops and gas stations they couldn't help their creativity seeping out. And this, this, this story is about a guy biking through the USSR and he's been taking pictures of all these really unique bus stops that these designers made. And like, you should really see some of them. They're, they're just the most wonky looking things. And it's just to, just to serve as a bus stop. And there's really no need. Like they could have all been the same, but there's just a need to make them beautiful to make, to, to just let something out. And so I, I just thought that was a really interesting story. Mm-hmm. And so, and the thing with, the thing with art is once there is, once you don't have God, once you kind of eliminate God from the picture, there's really no standard for beauty anymore. And that's very important because what's happening today um, people are eliminating God and removing him from different things. Uh, one of those being the art world and people are realizing that there's no such thing as beauty. You no no, no person can tell another person that their piece of art is not art. To many of us, that's, that sounds crazy, but it's, it's really like, this is what's actually going on in the world right now. But I think deep down, we know there's beauty. You know, we know something, something, we've come into contact with beauty. It, it's like it, it, it lifts us up. It, trans, it makes us transcend whatever's going around us. And it's just, you know, I've heard people say that beauty lifts you up. 
to God, which is basically another way of saying what I just said. And as far as teaching us about God, like, you know, God, God loves beauty. God, God cares. God is creative. God wants his people, his, his, his creations to also live and experience beauty and to live and interact with a beautiful world. And that's kind of, I'd say that's a form of love. Yeah. I think that's, I think that's really crucial to point out that God loves beauty. Um, and again, we know that by looking at his artwork, right? We, we can read mm-hmm. in the garden regarding the garden of Eden that, that he, yeah. he made it with aesthetic taste in mind. It, it was, to t- the fruit was to taste good. The trees were beautiful to look at. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and we see it all, most of us see it all around us in creation. God's, yeah. God's commitment to, to beauty and and this um i mean the bible speaks of god himself being beautiful and uh yep and and the psalmist i was just reading in psalm 90 uh, verse 17 the other day that the favor or the footnote says let the beauty of the lord our god be upon us god Mm -hmm. is himself beautiful and and because he is beautiful and because he loves beauty um unlike uh, those are friends that you've mentioned there, Seth, who, who say there is no such thing as beauty or who have no standard for yeah. beauty. We, because of our relationship with God, we do have a standard for beauty. We, we can, yeah. we can um, discern whether something is truly beautiful or not by how it compares to our creator. And, and in doing that, we were able to make things, have a standard for things so we can create things that will benefit other people that, you know won't just won't just smother and suck the life out of them you know because like god could have made the natural world functional with like no color or maybe no texture or no sound and think just think about how drab and how i think about like personally i think that's off how that would be off yes you mentioned uh a few minutes ago how um how how this was an act of love on god's part right Mm-hmm. Uh, I think to, to give us a beautiful world and so on. And, and so there's a sense Seth in which we too, we can uh, make art, we can make beautiful things um, and, and have that as an act of love. We want things to look attractive. Mm-hmm. We want things to sound nice to the ear and, and appeal to the senses because we actually love the people that we're serving. And, and it's not only, not only sound nice and look nice, but it's also how, how things that things can move beautifully through space as well. You know, something can be beautiful in the way that it moves and the way that it actually interacts with matter. Yes, that's absolutely right. And I mean, the scriptures speak of that. I won't quote the verse, um, but yeah, it speaks of even uh, the movement of ships on a sea or the way of a man with a woman. Mm-hmm. And you're absolutely right that that um, movement is itself a beautiful thing. It can be beautiful. Yes. Yeah. And so your second question was about, um, I believe it was, does art have a, I An don't apo- think it was redemptive role, but a. An apologetic value. Apologetic role. Yes. Yeah. Is, is there, does art have a role to play in in helping people come to faith in Christ. Yes. Okay. Um, I believe yes. So obviously, so, so this is where we come to kind of what world, what we call worldview. 
worldview is what you use to is is it's like the um the sum total of all your beliefs about about life life and that includes so that includes politics that includes religion that includes how you treat your neighbor that includes what kind of even down to what you eat how you make your bed and so these are all your beliefs and art when you look when it's made by an artist it manifests a worldview if the artist is honest it'll manifest the art the worldview of the artist and so when we as Christians, we make something, when a Christian makes something beautiful and is honest and truthful in making that and also is living a life for the glory of God, there's a worldview and that worldview, that, I'm going to use a big word here, that the, like that mode of being, mm-hmm. that, that way to live and experience and interact and just like thinking uh, your emotions and all, all that kind of at where you are at one time or many times that is put up there for all to see, all to experience. And so when Christians do it, when say, when a Christian does that and someone else looks at that, they're coming into contact with that worldview viscerally, like that is at, at a, at a foundation so deep that, you know, there's literally a physical response to it. You know, you get goosebumps or, you know, your hair stands on your head. You're like, you feel like your head's on fire. Mm-hmm. And that, that, that human, your audience has to d- deal with that. And it's almost as it, if, if it enters into the audience. And in doing so, when the audience receives it, they are able to, to experience and get a more, um, a knowledge of the Bible and, Christianity that is greater than what they had previously. Say you have a painting and the audience looks at the painting. They have a, a knowledge of that worldview and Christ, say Christianity and the Bible that's more and is more deep than if someone had just told them, you know, I believe in Christianity and, and, and that affects their worldview as well. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That there is an effect on their worldview. It doesn't mean they're going to change their worldview, but they're, they're going to have to contend with what they just saw. Mm-hmm. And so art, when it, ma- it manifests truth, that is not necessarily articulated yet. So that means you can't necessarily explain this truth, but it, it still it shows it, it, still shows it. And when it gets seen, it has an effect on the person's worldview. Mm-hmm. That's also on the other side of the coin. Secular yes. artists make art and it expresses their worldview and that in turn has an effect on us our worldview and what we believe as truth I, i'm not saying that we're powerless against art that mm-hmm. art is just something that you know grips us and we have like we have that we have no control over but what i so often used to do was when i saw something that was contrary to my worldview i would just shun it i would just close my eyes or just walk away but I didn't actually deal with whatever I just maybe was seen or heard. And that's important. It's important that you do that. So yeah, that can lead people to Christ in giving them a greater knowledge of what truth is actually in the Bible. Yeah. So art has a kind of power to it, doesn't it? If the artist is, is making his piece of art out of uh, anti-God worldview, it, it can have tremendous power. We do need to be very careful. But on the mm-hmm. flip side, 
if um, it can also be used for good. I, I'm just thinking of C.S. Lewis, uh, Seth, if you'll allow that a children's yeah. novel could be a form of art, then of course. Um, the, I'm thinking of how, you know, he, he began by writing Mere Christianity, uh, which was, of course, at first a series of radio talks, but it, it very much appealed to the rational side of our being. And he made very lucid arguments. And it was uh, just a tremendous book that's, that's helpful to this day. And, and it had its place. Mm-hmm. It had great value. It's been blessed and used the Lord. But later on, yeah. um, uh, Lewis turned to art and, and he made these children's novels about the Chronicles of Narnia. And many have, have been won by the beauty of, of yeah. what Lewis presented there and have uh, found themselves more receptive to hearing the gospel and, and embracing yeah. Christ by faith because of it. And that's, that's one of the awesome things about art is that like C.S. Lewis's books haven't just been read by Christians. They've been read by people all over the world. And think of hand and you think of like things like Handel's Messiah or uh, Leonardo da Vinci's The Last Supper. You know, these works of art are so famous and it's not only Christians who experience them. P- atheists and uh, uh, people who, who, who aren't Christians will line up and cash out money to hear these, to hear Handel's Messiah performed every year. And they can't deny the power that it grips them with whenever they hear this. I, I just find that amazing, you know, like, you know, art can sometimes reach people where maybe necessarily just going up to them and, and, and telling them what you believe doesn't quite reach them in the way that art does. Not to discourage proclaiming the gospel at all. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Your grandpa wouldn't like it if you did that, would he? <laughs> no, no, he would not. But to, to sort of tag along with the apologetic value of art um, and to take another sort of uh, uh, angle on it, um, Tim Keller in his book, Making Sense of God, speaks about just just a secular person's enjoyment of beauty and art. And, um, and this is how he, 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 he speaks to these people. He says, if you are being swept up in joy and wonder by a work of art, it will impoverish you to remind yourself that this feeling is simply a chemical reaction that helped your ancestors yeah. find food and escape predators and nothing more. You will need to shield yourself then from your own secular view of things in order to get the most out of the experience. So I think, I think this is an area in which we can challenge and, and confront our secular friends. You know, if, if there is no God, then where did our taste for beauty come from? Is it really only this, this chemical reaction that helped our ancestors find food? In other words, is our attraction to beauty meaningless? And, and we can welcome them in and say, hey, look what it looks like when you mm-hmm. live in the Christian universe, right? We live yeah. in a universe that was fathered by God. Beauty is not just a survival mechanism, but it's real. Mm-hmm. And you don't have to push away these thoughts that what I'm experiencing, what I'm enjoying as I engage mm-hmm. with this piece of art is simply an illusion. So we've talked a little bit about the apologetic value of art. Let me throw a curveball at you here, Seth. Is there an aspect in which we worship God, in which art can be part of our worship of the Lord? Mm-hmm. Yes, uh, it definitely can. See, art is, I would say, probably one of the ways that we, ex- we, 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 we express ourselves most meaningfully and truthfully. And especially if, if, you're, if you're an artist and 
you're creating honestly. So that means you're not just necessarily just, you know, copying whatever fad is going on right now. And your, your life aligned is aligning with what you're trying to say. That is one of the purest forms of praise that I mean, I, that I could think of. We praise God for being true, right? For, for, and for truth, truth that you can build your life on. Well, art can be, can be praised. That's true to God. Yeah. You know, as I thought about this, my mind has, has gone back a few times to Psalm 19, which I think has to be one of the most beautiful, if not the most mm-hmm. beautiful Psalm in the whole collection of Psalms. And, and it begins as is well known with this poetic celebration of the beauty of creation, the glory of God in creation. It moves on to the wonders of the revealed word of God. And then mm-hmm. after David has composed this beautiful poem, this hymn, this song, he, he offers it to God. I just love how the psalm mm-hmm. ends in verse 14. He turns to God and he says, let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable. Or the idea is yeah. be pleasing in your sight. So, um, Seth, I, <laughs> one day perhaps you'll have the experience of, of uh, a child presenting you with their art, right? And, mm-hmm. and what they want is for it to please you. And, and this is how it is, I think, with David. He has, he has put these words of his mouth on a piece of paper. He has, he has given expression to the meditation of his heart. And now he's holding up Psalm 19, like a child brings a little poster to their mom to put on the fridge. He, he holds up yeah. Psalm 19 before God. And he says, I, I desire that these words in this meditation I've just mm-hmm. made would be pleasing and beautiful in your sight. That's an act of worship, right? And and it's, it's an act of worship that other people can take part in as well. Like when I read Psalm 19, I am immediately like compelled to praise God for, for what he's done. Like immediately. Mm. One thing I did want to mention is I actually have had uh, the chance to have a child present their art to me. Um, My brother was my brother was coloring a picture in his class and I, I get down into our school hallway and he comes running out to me and says, Seth, 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 I, I colored you a picture <laughs> and guess what? It's a Van Gogh. <laughs> Man, I just like, I, I just thought that was like, that was like one of the coolest moments I've ever had. Uh, I just thought that was so funny because like he, he, he knew how I like, my, how I have such a love for art and just, yeah. I really enjoyed this conversation with Seth. And I hope you have too, because there's more to come. This is only the first part of a two-part series, and look to see the second part drop in a couple weeks from now. In that episode, Seth and I are going to talk a little bit about the beauty of the cross, and also the need to be careful as we navigate the world of art. But as I look back on this first part of our conversation, I really do love how it both began and ended with children. One of the things art can do for us is help us recapture a childlike wonder at God's creation and redemption. So as this episode winds down, Maybe consider listening to a beautiful piece of music, or head outdoors and stare at a tree trunk, or if you live where I live, at a snowdrift, and let it carry you back to a humble appreciation of the artistry of God. And may the Lord bless you as you do. Mm